Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. That was like the biggest rude awakening in the beginning of like, oh, I thought this was just going to be me and just buying up properties. But then I realized a lot goes into it and that I need other people some way, somehow. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel and I'm with today's guest, Bailey Kramer. Bailey is joining us from Orlando, Florida. He purchased his first property at 20 years old and is now the founder of a company which focuses on long and short-term rentals. Bailey's portfolio consists of being a GP on 64 units, and short-term rental property that allows weddings. Bailey, thank you for joining us, and how are you today? Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm super excited to be here. It's our pleasure. Bailey, before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? For sure, yeah. So I got into the real estate world, similarly to how a lot of people get started, but honestly, just a lot earlier. So when I was 19 years old, I was in college and read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I knew I had that entrepreneurial mindset always. I just didn't have really a business that I wanted to use those entrepreneurial emotions for, like an actual business to start. So I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That introduced me to the world of real estate. So spent about a whole year of learning and networking, which we can dive into for sure, because I don't want to skip. That's a huge part of my journey. And then a year after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, finally bought my first property, which was a fix and flip deal. And since that first deal, have done a bunch of different things from the multifamily that you mentioned, having properties, long-term rentals, short-term rentals, wedding venues. So definitely a lot to talk about there. A GP on 64 units. How did you become a GP on that deal? Great question. So for that deal in particular, to take a back a step, to be a GP on a deal, You have to actually know the other GPs because you need to have some relationship with them to be in with them. So I got into that specific deal is I actually joined a mastermind group where I was surrounded by all these people first, added a ton of value, and then was given the opportunity to be part of the deal through raising capital and through other functions of the deal. What were the other functions of the deal? I guess more like backend organization things. So obviously we had the presentation for the deal. We brought investors in. So I was just handling more of the admin tasks of, okay, sending out the emails, getting people on the actual webinar, our deal presentation itself, 
And then just checking more on a monthly basis, assisting more of the asset manager on some of those duties. And Bailey, can you give us the numbers on that property? 64 units. What was the purchase price? 64 units. And the purchase price, it was about 60 grand per door. And what was the raise on that deal? This was about a year and a half ago. So I'm trying to just recall the exact numbers. It was pretty turnkey, ready to go. It was just more of a tired landlord. We put down roughly, I want to say 20% of that. And then we didn't have much needed for, for rehab. We obviously had some reserves in there. So I want to say we raised roughly about 25% of that 3.6 number. And how much did you raise? I brought 150. Okay. Was that your own money? Or did you raise that? No, that was raised. And the way I raised it at, this was, I was 20 years old, was again, just being part of this mastermind group, just focusing on network. That was like the biggest thing that I did early on was network, network, network. So this wasn't like family. This wasn't friends. This was just people that I've met through the world of real estate. So how did you raise that 150? Was it from one person or a number of people? No, it was actually three people at 50,000 a piece. And you're 19 or 20 years old. How do you convince somebody to give you 50 grand? Yeah, great question. I still even do this today. Right now I have more of a track record, obviously. I've been doing deals and stuff like that. But in the very beginning, I didn't have really any track record at all. I posted on social media here and there that I was trying to do some real estate stuff, but didn't have any track record. So especially what in the beginning, what I recommend brand new people do is leverage the experience of who you're working with. So I wasn't like, oh, you should invest with me because I am the master of real estate. It was a, I'm working with these people and use their credibility, their experience as more credibility. And are the people that you raise money from, are they your age? Are they older? Yeah, they're older. They're in like their thirties. Yeah. So what, Um, what did that pitch sound like? What was the return? What was the expectation? I really didn't have to do much of the pitching per se, because these people I had a pre-existing relationship with. So they knew what I was doing and I knew that they were interested in investing in real estate some point down the road. And they knew that I was actively looking at opportunities. So it was really just planting the seed up front or once we started talking essentially. And then once we had this deal, it was more really of an invitation to our deal presentation that they were able to see kind of the full analysis of the deal. Got it. And moving on to your short-term rentals, you have one with a wedding venue. Give me the story of how you led up to that. So with that specific property, all the deals that I've done have been through off-market lead generation and all off-market. And we saw this one property and we caught the property before it was listed on the market. And we chatted with the realtor and we knew that this was a pretty historic property for the city. It was built in the late 1800s, like I think 1890. And it used to be a hotel, technically. It was called the Roxana Resort. And we're like, okay, this is a hotel property. This is something different and unique. And we start looking into the actual zoning of the property and realize that it was zoned for a boutique hotel but we had more flexibility because it was a commercial zoning and there's a lot that's, this property is obviously historic. So it's been through a a handful of owners who've all done a variety of things. So we approached the city and said, Hey, we're interested in purchasing this property. We just want to triple check and get in writing 
what we can and can't do for the property. Because our idea was let's make this a short-term rental, not necessarily a hotel that you just check in and check out of. Because it looks like a castle, like it's really cool looking, but it's a house. It's not a hotel like your classic Marriott (laughs) that people are probably thinking of. So once we looked at that and we posted about it, we got people reaching out to us saying, hey, can I have my wedding there? The realtor that was representing them was like, can I have my wedding there? And we're like, sweet. So we didn't have to do the advertising up front. People actually started to come to us. And that's when we got more serious about that idea. So you ended up purchasing it. What was the price? It was 800,000 plus we did another 90 grand for just reserves, rehab, supplies, furniture. So roughly 900,000. And today you have, I'm assuming a ballroom. How big is that? It's actually all outdoors. We just have a really large backyard that faces a big, beautiful lake. It has phenomenal views. So it's mainly in the summertime that people are having their weddings here. And then some kind of in the off seasons where there's some room inside, but there's no ballroom per se. It's truly a, a just a really cool looking house. And there's Airbnb rooms inside. Yeah, we rent the property. When it's not being used as a wedding, we rent it for the whole property. You can't just rent a room like they used to do it back in, whenever they did that back in the day as like a real hotel. Ours is like, you got to rent the whole thing or nothing. Okay, so now you're in the event rental space, which is a business. Yeah. A little bit more than real estate. So how do you manage that? For the weddings, I don't know a single thing about wedding. I'm not married. I'm 21 right now. So that's all pretty new to me. So what we did is... At first, we kind of had the mentality of, we're going to figure this out. And then we actually had someone reach out to us through Airbnb. And they said, hey, I'm interested in having my wedding here. And this was actually at a different one of our properties, a couple minutes down the road. It's also another larger property for Airbnb. And long story short, these people came out to the property to look at it, to see if this is going to be a good place for their wedding destination. And while they were there and we were talking, they had so many ideas of, how we can make this property cooler and specifically for their wedding. So from just talking to them, they told us that they were actually wedding planners. It was like a mother daughter duo. They were event planners, wedding planners. They did all that stuff. So when we got the property that we're actually doing the weddings at, we've been in contact with them, their weddings in June of this year, actually now, but this was last year. And long story short, they said that they'd be interested in basically running our wedding branch of this property. So they pretty much just handle wedding coordination with the owners. So we just kind of get them in contract and then we hand it off to her. My advice is keep it that way. Yeah. Unless you really want to get into the event rental space, it's a business, right? Just like people that want to get into car washes or laundromats, it's not passive. Yeah. It's a legit business. Listen, I'm in that space as well. You have chairs, linens, coordination of caterers cakes it's yeah it's a different world man um <laughs> for unless sure. you love it and want to do it just outsource that so yeah. did you end up raising money for that nine hundred thousand dollars that you have into this property yeah so for this property in particular the owner that bought this, this property is an owner that i bought pretty much all my properties up to this point so for this cool wedding venue i am at actually the property manager essentially for this property. But I was basically involved in the raise as well. So yeah, there was a full on raise for the property too. How much did you raise? It was an $800,000 purchase. What did you put down? Actually, this deal was bought cash. The reason being is because they were asking 
a ridiculous number. I think close to a million bucks, maybe even more than that. And it just kind of was uncomfortable per se to just get a mortgage on a $1.23 million property when it's probably closer to the million dollar range. So the plan was let's offer cash, quicker close, and they went for it. How did you raise a million dollars in cash for this? I think it was like that 900 figure, 800 for the purchase, about 100,000 for extras. And again, just through the network, being part of mastermind groups, any type of real estate groups, there are people who are literally waiting there to, to throw their money at you. And that's how we've done all the deals so far is just through the network of people that are ready to go. These aren't people that we have to convince, oh, you should invest in real estate. Real estate's great. These are people who are already like, I love real estate. I'm ready to go when you have your next opportunity. So how many different investors did you have on this? They were a handful. I want to say five off the top of my head. And were they enticed by the fact that there's going to be revenue from weddings as well? Yes. That wasn't part of our underwriting per se. We weren't fully sure on the wedding. We looked at comps of how much other people were charging, but we actually just based off our projections on solely just what we're going to bring in on the short-term rental side. And we knew that if we can pull off the wedding thing, that it's going to boost the revenue by a lot. So we kind of gave that like, listen, this is going to be great. Plus, if we can get this bonus on top of it, game's over. (laughs) We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. When it comes to scaling your real estate business, is lack of capital holding you back? Raising private capital on demand can be a major challenge, but you can get the knowledge and tools you need to succeed when you attend Dana Cornell's four-week Raise Capital Masterclass Live. After starting out with no capital or relationships, Dana has raised over $1 billion twice in the past 20 years, and he has made it his mission to share the best of what he's learned with business owners and investors like you. You can learn more at danacornell.com forward slash best ever. Dana's Raise Capital Masterclass Live allows you to immediately unlock and raise capital on demand, drastically increasing your business's growth. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, go to danacornell.com forward slash best ever to enroll today. Are you a real estate investor looking to break in the multifamily? Have you heard of MFIN Con happening in Charlotte, North Carolina, June 23rd through 25th? The Multifamily Investor Nation Convention is a place to learn from high-level apartment investing experts while networking with over 700 investors. If that's not enough for you, Shaq, yes, Shaquille O'Neal, Barbara Corcoran, Jocko Willink will be there as well. Be sure to secure your tickets at mfincon.com to find out more. VIP ticket holders can rub shoulders with these high-level speakers after their sessions. For details on sponsorship opportunities and tickets, visit mfincon.com. Use the promo code BESTEVER and get $200 off your tickets. That's mfincon.com, promo code BESTEVER. So Bailey, raising almost $900,000, if you want to offer your investors a 10% return, that's $90,000 a year. Right. So what kind of revenue are you generating from this property? So this property will bring in around $300,000 this year. And what was the GPLP structure like? Again, this was a little while ago, so I don't know off the top of my head the exact split. I want to say 
Is there a preferred return? There's no preferred return on this one. Since it was a strictly cash play on this, of course, there's risk in every single investment. That's no question. And this one, there's absolutely risk. But with not having a mortgage, I think the idea of it was a little different in terms of just preferred return and exactly what's going to happen because also is on the table. It's not really needed. There's no like cash out refi that was really planned. It's just more of a a revenue play with the fact that, okay, this property is going to be worth much more than we got it for as well. Man, I love your out of the box thinking and it's proven to be a success. If you're going to bring in 300K in revenue this year, what a win. Why not do the refi? Because a lot of your investors let's say somebody's got a hundred grand in this property. My assumption is they're going to want that money back to redeploy it somewhere else, maybe into your next deal. And maybe the play here is when you find another deal, you pitch that to your investors and it's kind of a package deal where you've got the bank ready to do your cash out refi. And guess what investor? I've got a 1031 deal. It's not even a 1031 because it's cash out refi. You've got the next deal waiting. Right. So it's definitely on the table. Basically all the deals that I've done up to this point, minus that 64 unit has been just through creative financing and raising capital. So as far as getting loans on properties, I haven't touched that point just yet because again, when I was getting started at 20 years old, I had no income, no credit score, any of that stuff. So my initial thought for all these properties, I'm always thinking about the exit, but it was more of like, how can I get started and get in? So my way was just like, do anything you can to get in. And now that we have these properties, we are in the process of talking to different lenders about, okay, now how can we go to the next stage of refining? Because we have this one to refi. We have a handful of other properties as well that would definitely be up for a good refinance. Bailey, who is we? The main person on my team is a gentleman named Frank. And again, I met him through this mastermind that I keep mentioning, but he is not only a partner in the real estate side, but also was my mentor and and huge component of me getting started in real estate. He had a couple properties before him and I met, and he essentially showed me the ropes of what he's done. He was no master. He didn't have like the systems and processes down. He was just a one-man band who had some properties. But when I say we, I mean myself and, and Frank. Does Frank have an aversion to loans? Is that why you guys gear towards all cash? For him in particular, he also doesn't have a W-2 job. His credit score is fine, but it's nothing to brag about. So we both weren't in the best scenario to qualify for a loan. That was more on like the single family stuff that didn't require commercial. We're not like showing income. So we both just went in with the same mindset together of this isn't an option at the moment but let's figure out how we can do it because we knew it was possible. So now that we have income coming from these properties, track record, the markets definitely helped push these properties up in value quite a bit. We're definitely able to secure refi. All right, brother, let's change your mindset a little bit. All right. So again, you've killed it on this wedding venue event center. Yeah. Imagine if you had debt on this, your investors right now, overall, you're making 30% or so returns on this property, right? Or at least in revenue. Yeah. But in terms of leveraged returns, if you had debt on this property, your investors potentially could have made 
60, 70% annualized returns on the property, right? So my advice to you is find a way going forward. I get the challenges with not having the W-2. A lot of banks won't want to talk to you. Find local lenders. Is there one particular market that you're buying properties in? The market that I'm referring to right now and where all the properties I have bought in the past are in Northern Illinois. And where are you based out of? You are out of Orlando. Orlando. How did you come to Northern Illinois? I grew up in Wisconsin. So for me, it's not some foreign place, but Frank, the one that I'm mentioning, he actually lives in Northern Illinois. So that was pretty much the tie there. And that's great. It helps with local lenders when one partner is in state or in the area, right? What you and Frank need to do is put together a really nice pamphlet, kind of a docket of all the properties that you've done, half page for each one, right? Purchase price, plan, returns, exit, whatever. Just a quick little magazine thing that they could sort through pretty quickly and present that to every local lender in the area. And Bailey, you'll find out quickly who is eager for deals and who's not. You'll have some bankers that immediately jump on it and they're going to want to talk more. They're going to want to schedule a call. Next time you're in town, they're going to want to sit down. And these are the people that you align yourself with because they can look over the lack of income and all that other stuff. Right. And they start betting on you in your deals. And then in the back of your mind, have somebody who's high net worth, high earner, W-2. And if ever you need somebody like that to sign on a loan, offer to give them part of the GP share as a signer. Set the sky's limit for your next deals. Because in a short time, you've already done a great job. Your numbers are home runs. So just set the bar higher, man. I appreciate the feedback. I totally agree. Financing has not been my strong suit, but I definitely agree I'm totally with you. I think that was great advice. Yeah, it takes time. A lot of lenders won't even want to talk to you if you don't fit their strict criteria. But there's so many local lenders, even now credit unions, where they're just hungry for deals. And if they underwrite a deal like this and they see the returns, now this one's going to be tough because you bought it vacant, right? So man, that would have been very tough to put debt on because (laughs) they're going to say, wait a minute, what do you want to do? I don't know that I would even be an investor in this deal, but good for you for pulling that off. Listen, you've got a great future ahead of you, man. How old are you now? I'm 21 now, almost 22. So you've been at this for less than two years. Yes. Amazing. Basically, it's been almost a year and a couple months since I bought that first property and a lot has been in the works since. That is awesome. Billy, what's the hardest lesson that you've learned in real estate? Biggest lesson and also hardest lesson is you need other people. You need a team. I'm talking about, I've said we a lot. I've said investors a lot. In the beginning, I wanted to do everything by myself. And it was a rude awakening after talking to like a million people and trying to do it by myself that I realized I don't have every piece of the puzzle. So I do need other people. That was like the biggest rude awakening in the beginning of like, oh, I thought this was just going to be me and just buying up properties. But then I realized a lot goes into it and that I need other people some way, somehow. Bailey, that is amazing advice. I was a one-man shop for seven, eight years until I figured that out. So good for you for figuring that out early. And when I did figure it out, 10x my portfolio. So great advice there, man. Bailey, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? 
I am ready. Let's do it. All right, Billy. What's the best ever book you recently read? Best ever book that I recently read? I keep going to Alex Hormozzi. He has a phenomenal book. It's not real estate related. It's more sales related. It's called $100 Million Offers by Alex Hormozzi. Very good book. What was your biggest takeaway from that? Some of the book in a nutshell, it's make an offer so good that people feel stupid saying no. So how can you make something so good? And this applies perfectly to real estate and syndications is make an offer so good that they can't say no. I like it. Bailey, what's the best ever way you like to give back? Best ever way I like to give back. I'm actually in the process of that right now, talking to a couple of mentors. I don't believe in like the, oh, when I make it, I'm going to start giving back. It's okay. Start giving now. And as you become more successful, you can start giving more and more. But right now I'm really keen in on a couple organizations that have been pivotal to my life and starting to figure out how I can get involved monetary and also my time to see how I can best help organizations that have helped me. That's a great outlook. Bailey, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? Best way to do it. Instagram, the Bailey Kramer. I'm on Facebook and TikTok as well, but Instagram is kind of my hub. So if you find me there, the Bailey Kramer, happy to connect. Bailey, I want to thank you again for your time today. Starting out by reading Rich Dad, joining a mastermind, and putting together some really phenomenal deals, being a GP less than two years into the game. You're going to be one of the rising stars in real estate, man. We want to have you back and have your next big win or your next crazy out-of-the-box deal. So thank you again for sharing your time with us. Yeah, thank you. Best ever listeners, thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Share the podcast with someone you think can benefit from it. Also, follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day.